You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. The difference between that and uh, GameStop is that they're not going to lose all of their money because the metal has a real fundamental value. I mean, it is trading even before this whole Reddit thing at $25. Uh, so, you know, even if they push it up to 30, like this morning, it's down, I don't know, uh, you know, seven, eight percent. They're still not going to lose their money. So I don't feel too, too bad about it. Thank you for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. And in today's show, you are going to be hearing from mining legend, Pierre Lasson. Now, if you're not familiar with Pierre, he invested with his business partner $2 million into a Nevada project, which uh, in exchange for a royalty, Two years later, 50 million ounces of gold was uh, discovered. That eventually became and was the founding deposit for Barrick. And that $2 million investment returned over a billion dollars. So he understands what it means to speculate and make extreme outsized gains in the mining stocks. He also understands what it means to run a mining company as he is the founder of Franco Nevada. He also was the president of Newmont Mining. So Pierre has a very storied uh, and illustrious history as an executive and investor in the mining sector. And also he was the past uh, chair of the World Gold Council. So he understands the precious metals markets very well. So it's my pleasure to introduce him to you. Pierre, welcome to Mining Stock Education for the first time. My pleasure to be here, Bill. Well, thank you for joining me. You comment on the precious metals market, and I'd like to start by getting your insights and commentary on what is occurring with this social media push for the short squeeze to kind of burn the commercial banks. Do you think that uh, out this this uh, group sourced effort to buy physical bullion and buy call options on SLV, could they really burn the, the bullion banks on this one? You know, it reminded me of the uh, Lamar and Nelson Bunker Hunt episode of the 1980, when the two brothers from Texas cornered the silver market and they pushed the silver price from five dollars back in 1975 to over fifty-two dollars, which was, think about this, forty years ago was unheard of, and uh, of course it collapsed and uh, they ended up going broke. Um, the silver market today is so much deeper. I mean, um, it's, a, it's a market worth uh, over 20 billion of trading every day. Uh, there are no short positions. The commercial banks, uh, they will short on one market and they will go along on the other market, but they never, never go naked. So this idea that there is a huge giant short position in a silver market is completely looney toony. And, um, you know, the effect of the, the Reddit crowd is, I think, going to be, you know, uh, temporary. And um, uh, but they're, they're not gonna, the, the difference between that and uh, GameStop is that they're not going to lose all of their money because the metal has a real fundamental value. I mean, it is trading even before this whole Reddit thing at twenty five dollars. Uh, so. You know, even if they push it up to 30, like this morning, it's down, I don't know, uh, you know, seven, eight percent. They're still not going to lose their money. So I don't feel too, too bad about it. Do you also think that the CME will just uh, 
change the rules of the game, so to speak, in order to make sure that the player that they want to win wins, because that's been something that's been pointed out by those that are trying to organize this short squeeze. Um, I think at this point, I don't think they have to do anything. I really don't. Um, I think the market is functioning really well. Uh, the fact is that the commercial interests are long the silver market, just as they are long the gold market. So they benefit from, you know, having the Reddit crowd coming in. The, 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 they're not going to get, you know, squeezed. There, there are no shorts. So um, I don't see why the, uh, they would change the uh, regulations at this point. There's been many that have pointed out that if you use the true inflation calculation that we used decades ago, silver at an inflation adjusted high would be about $1,000 going back to if you compared it to 1980. What are your thoughts on silver price, the silver price and where it could be headed? Well, if they use the $52 where the, the Hunt brother got it to, uh, yes, I mean, you could have some, you know, numbers like that. But the reality is that this was not a real number. Um, and uh, the, the fact is that silver, um, you know, uh, back in 1960 like was uh, 75 cents an ounce. And that by the mid 70s, it was up to like $5 an ounce. If you use those numbers, the 25 is not that far off. So, and there, the, the, the silver production, I must point out, has grown at much faster rate than inflation, much faster. What about the Dow to gold ratio? This is something that you point out often, and you expect that the Dow and gold to be a one-to-one -one ratio. Uh, how soon do you see that occurring? What are your current thoughts on this? Um, I have given a lot of thought to that uh, question, and uh, the play that's going on is the financial authorities are using uh, interest rate, you know, suppression. It's really financial repression. And when will that end is when it battles inflation, because at this point, the bondholders are losing against the financial authorities. But if as and when inflation starts to pick up, um, if they keep the suppression in interest rates, then I think you will see the gold price start to go up quite dramatically. And looking at uh, the last cycle vis-a-vis -vis this cycle, um, I think we're looking at about a double time. And so you know, I'm thinking 28 years in total for the cycle. We're 20 years into it. So Sometime in the next 21 years, so sometime I would say in the next five to seven years is, would be the time frame that I have in mind. You founded essentially the royalty business with that uh, investment I mentioned in my introduction, which became Franco Nevada. There has been a flurry of new gold royalty companies over the last five or so years. What If you were going to invest in a new precious metals royalty company at this point, what are some of the characteristics that you would want to see in that company? You know, that question is, I've been asked many times over the last sort of like 10, 15 years. And my answer is always the same, is that the first deal that any new mining royalty company does has to be a really great deal. Uh, what made Franco Nevada special is the fact that, you know, on our very first deal, Gold Strike turned out to be just about an incredible mine. And that has given us the cash flow and the balance sheet leverage to, you know, start to buy everything in sight. Um, I think the same with Royal Gold. Their first royalty was very, and the 
uh, if you look at Wheaton River, the founder uh, of Wheaton River, Ian Telfer, understood that really, really well and engineered a deal within his own company to create the silver royalty that started Silver Wheaton at the time. And I would say it's the same thing today, because if you if your first deal is not a great deal, then you end up in a death spiral. You keep issuing shares to buy more stuff and you keep issuing shares. You dilute the shareholders and you go nowhere. So I think the key is your first deal has to be a really, really good deal for the company. What do you think about the prospect generator model that, you know, generates their own royalties and then sells them off and takes a multi-decade approach? Do you like that approach? Well, it's um, essentially the same as the junior exploration company uh, model. And that model is, you know, incredibly difficult because the odds I'm, I'm i love statistics and i even wrote a book you know on like mining shares and whatnot and the odds are simply one in a thousand okay so like of the three thousand junior companies that are trading today i would say only three will create mines that are going to be very good for their shareholders that you're going to get a return on your money and then some like two three times your money so the, the idea that you're going to, you know, generate your own prospects, it's a very difficult one. Very difficult. Do you think there needs to be consolidation in some of these smaller royalty companies in the sector right now? Um, I think at the bottom, more than likely, yes, because uh, the, the ones that are too small are not likely to be able to have a balance sheet to compete with the bigger companies. So, yes, I think at the, at the lower echelon, you, you need uh, some consolidation if, because at the end of the day, um, the only real way to grow in this business is to use your balance sheet to buy, you know, great royalties or put out money with companies that needs to that, you know, junior or intermediate company that want to grow and that are using the royalty model. So, yes, I think that uh, you will have to see some consolidation at the lower level, but not necessarily at the top tier. Pierre, over the last 18 months, I've spoken to many commentators and executives that say because the gold royalty business is so competitive now that the best opportunities actually lie in the base metal royalty space. Would you agree with that? No. no. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate? Or? Well, you know, look, back in the 1990s, we tried to uh, float. Actually, we did float the base metal royalty company. It was called Redstone um, Mining. And uh, we put David Arkwell in charge of that company. And he tried and tried and tried for like 10 years and he didn't go anywhere. And then finally we folded it back into Franco, Nevada. The reality of the base metal space is that the number of discoveries per year and the number of mines is a fraction of the gold space, okay? whereby you're going to find like 20 gold mines in a year, you may not even find one copper mine. Two, the development time for copper assets is in the decades, okay? It, it can take 20, 30, 40, 50 years to develop, you know, that kind of assets. So you just don't have that kind of staying power. And three, if you look at, again, the base metal, the very large company dominates this field and they don't need your money. Okay, so it's a very difficult space. 
Now, it's a great space if you can latch on to one, absolutely. But to single it out as a, you know, a strategy, as a model, my sense, you're bound for failure. Pierre, if you had together a group of executives of gold majors and mid-tier producers, what would be the key advice that you would give them at this point in the cycle? Discipline. You know, the gold equities got absolutely trashed in the last bear market. And we're still suffering from that because the executives at the time threw caution away and overpaid for acquisitions. The shareholders never saw any returns. In fact, they got, you know, the opposite. They, they, they had value destruction. I think it is time for the industry to show the rest of the world that this is a real industry, that it, you know, has returned to shareholders and that the management cares for the shareholders. So it's a discipline is absolutely the most important thing for the industry right now. And through all of that, you know, industry is actually making the best margins ever, ever. So now is the time really to do that and save a little bit for growth, because I think it is important if you're a producer today to show some growth. So that would be my advice. Uh, if I recall correctly, you were a little critical of the Newmont Barrick merger, saying that the synergies wouldn't yield that much savings to shareholders. Uh, that's point one, and correct me if I'm wrong, but point two would be there's been a lot of at-the-market mergers with these gold producers as a means to growth. Do you like seeing that? And then what are your what's your further commentary on the Barrick-Newmont merger now that it's been some time? If you look at that um proposed merger the only synergy and there was it was a real one was the merger or the uh, put together of all the nevada assets of the two companies which has been done and that has yielded some synergy but at the uh, higher level there was very little to be had and you know i think the two companies are demonstrating that and newmont is doing incredibly well by itself and uh, so is barrack so i think the result of that tussle has been the right result, okay? I, um, and for everybody, I'm very pleased about that. What was the other part of the question? Sorry. Uh, there's been like at the margin gold mergers, for example, Equinox Gold and Leah Gold, you know, that's an example. Yeah. I think that, that's, uh, the, uh, that shows discipline and it shows as well uh, the, the uh, management of these companies are, you know, really looking after the shareholders uh, they're saying, you know, there's no premium, but if we put the two companies could, together, we can save more money for the shareholders. We can have a growth uh, profile built in, a better balance sheet. That is excellent. That is the kind of things that this industry needs and needs more of it. Pierre, when you're looking at a development stage project for your own personal investments, and of course, you're going to look at it as an executive as well, what gold price are you using when you analyze a development project? Um, to be very candid, it, my whole life, uh, I have used essentially either the spot price or the consensus price. I don't try to predict the gold price into the future. I, I just look at what is it today or what's the consensus. And I said, well, if I'm buying, this is what it's worth today. And that's what, I, that's what we do. Not the trailing two-year average price? Well, the, I think the consensus usually is around that number. 
Um, and um, that's as good a number as anything. Okay. Outside of the precious metals, what type of investments are you looking at personally in your personal investing? Oh, look, as far as I'm concerned, the best, best deposit in the world that you can have or find today is a copper gold deposit or a copper gold silver or a copper silver deposit, but something with copper. Because I really believe that copper is the metal of the future. In fact, copper our entire civilization rests on copper, on, on one metal, and it's copper. Because without electricity, we have nothing. We have no transportation. We have like no communications. We have nothing. And with the you know, emphasis on greening the world, we're going to use more copper. So copper is you know, absolutely the fundamental basis of our civilization, and it's going to get better. And with that, in terms of fundamental money, I would say gold and silver is also part of the greening of the world. So these three metals are, to my mind, the best place to be at this point in time. Pierre, what can you share with uh, my listeners about the characteristics needed for to be a successful mining speculator? As I mentioned, you turned a $2 million investment into over a billion dollars of cash flow. What are some of the key characteristics that uh, people should develop in their own speculation? Uh, I, I ran a portfolio back in the 1980s of uh, junior uh, mining companies. And uh, that's where I cut my teeth, if you want, in terms of you know speculation. Uh, and um, I think that the two recommendations that I would have is one, when you invest, you invest first and foremost in people because good people will make good things happen and bad people. I don't have to tell you the rest. Right. So the number one aspect of investing is look at the people, look at the management team Have they proven before that they can do it? Have they shown that they can do it? I'll tell you a story. When I was at Newmont, as president of Newmont, I had 340 some geologists in our team. And out of this 340, I had about five geologists who discovered 80% of all the gold Newmont discovered. Okay. I called them my lucky geologists. You know what I mean? And there are people like that in the world. And there are people like that in the junior world. So first and foremost, look at, you know, who you're putting your money up with. Um, you know, think of the Briex story. OK, like, you know, the management team was a two bit team from nowhere. And all of a sudden they were sitting like supposedly on the greatest deposit in the world. I was suspicious from day one. I mean, I just, you know, and I ended up shorting the stock and making a ton of money. It's all about people. Now, number two thing as a speculator is ride your winners and cut your losses. People have a really hard time of cutting their losses, but put yourself a limit down and say, if the stock goes down 10%, get it out of your portfolio, like get rid of it and ride your winners. Like, you know, stock goes up 50%, just don't run and sell it. It's, oh, I got 50%. You're going to lose it all. Um, the, the 1980s, um, the portfolio that I ran, 90% of the money I made in two stocks, believe it or not. Okay, and it was Barrick and Echo Bay. 
And these two stocks, Echo Bay ran from, you know, I bought it on the issue at like four or five dollars, and I think it ran to 32, 36, and Barrick, like the same thing, except it was uh, 10 times. And all the other stocks, I didn't make any money. I, you know, kept cutting the losses, kept cutting the losses. So ride your winners, cut your losses. That goes to the saying, it doesn't matter if you win or lose, it matters how much you win when you win and how much you lose when you lose, right? Yep, very much so. Well, Pierre, I really appreciate your time today. Any concluding thoughts in light of what we've spoken about that you'd like to share with my listeners? Um, you know, I would say that um, the um, we are ripe for a, a massive new discoveries. Like if you look at, again, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, every one of those decades saw a discovery of major, major proportion, whether it's uh, nickel at Voises Bay or the diamonds in the north in Canada or uh, Yanacocha in Peru in the 90s. And we haven't seen a discovery like that in a long time. And I think we're due for one. And when, if as and when it happens, it's going to juice up, you know, like uh, the, the, the energy of people. And uh, I would be looking very much for that kind of event over the next few years. I just know in my bone it's going to happen. You've been listening to billionaire Pierre Lassonde, and this will be an interview that you'll want to go back and listen again. I'm also going to put the transcript on my website so you can read through that to glean and relearn some of the insights that you heard here today. Pierre, really appreciate you coming on Mining Stock Education for the first time. Thank you so much, Bill. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty dollars or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.